Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today, and Lord, we thank you so much for, for your love and your acceptance, Lord, and, and for your spirit that lives within us. We started off this service in a mighty powerful way, Lord, and we gathered around in a circle and we held hands and we prayed. And Chrissy shared her heart with us. And I believe, Father, it was in preparation for this message. I think you know what you're doing, and you go before us. You hem us in on all sides, and, and it's clearly evident what's going on in this world. And, and even in this place today, we thank you for, just for, your, for loving us, even though we're unloving sometimes. And Father, I pray that, that that call to repentance would fall on every heart today. Because we're called to be new creations. We're called to be born again. Not to live the way that the world lives or the way that we used to live, but in a new and a different way, in a way that, Father, you've set before us. So, Lord, as we uh, go through these verses today, I think these are the most, <laughs> most important verses that anyone could ever hear. It's the foundation of our, of our belief system. It's where the river meets the road and what determines whether or not we'll see the kingdom of God. It's that important. Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He spoke truth and love to Nicodemus. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak truth and love to each heart here today as they examine their own lives. As I've been examining mine as I've studied to bring this word today. So, Lord, I just pray that through this that we'd be drawn closer to you and in, into a more complete and right relationship with you. That we bring glory to your name. Because it's all about you and not really about us at all. And Father, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be here today. <laughs> I've missed you all. I haven't been here for a few weeks. I've been preaching in other churches, and so it's good to be back and see my home church. And uh, as I said before, this, these scripture verses that I've been charged to teach on today are, are the basic fundamental truths of, of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we look, we're in John chapter 3, by the way, if you're, if you're following along in your Bibles. Uh, verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to be mostly today. <clears throat> but we've been studying the book of John and, and uh, John's gospel. And we noticed last time we met that, that Jesus started out in his ministry and he went up to the temple during the Passover and he saw all the money changers and all the people selling doves and animals and he made a whip out of cords, right? And he drove them out of the temple area and he turned over the money changers' tables and the Jewish leaders came to him and wanted to know what authority he did these things by. And he wanted to, they wanted a miraculous sign or wonder to, to prove that who he was who he said he was. And he, he gave them this sign. He says, 
you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it back up again. Well, they didn't know that he was talking about his mortal body. And they said, what are you talking about? took us 46 years to build this temple. You know, and in verse 20, chapter 2, verse 23, to the end of that chapter, it says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But listen to this. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He's God, omniscience. He, he, he's all-knowing. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's kind of where we're at. We're, chapter 3, there shouldn't really be a break. This is just a continuation on, because we see these Jewish leaders coming to Jesus and asking about what authority he's doing these things, and they wanted to see a sign or a wonder. And it says that Jesus, because of these things that he was doing in Jerusalem at that point, there were many people that came to believe in him, but he didn't trust them because he knew what was in a man. Because he knew those same people who were, were shouting, Jesus, 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 would soon be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But there was one of those religious leaders who was there. His name was Nicodemus, as we read. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, I'm just going to go ahead and read the first verse, eight, first eight verses, and then we'll dive into it. It says, there was a, named, a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. In verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born, wa born of water and the spirit. Humans can re reproduce only human life, but only the spirit, Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I tell you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And I'm reading now the New Living Translation for those who might see this a little differently than your own translations. So those are the verses we're, we're looking at. So Nicodemus, it says that he's a, a, Jewish, leader, a Jewish leader, and he says that he's also a Pharisee. So we had these, this, this sect in the Jewish culture, in, in the Jewish faith, that were very educated, very knowledgeable in the Scriptures. They, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. And he knew Scripture backwards, forwards, in every way. But yet he still wanted to come to talk to Jesus to find out who he was. And he says that he's also a, a religious leader. He's one of the, 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 the members of the Sanhedrin, which was a 70-member council, the top of the, of the Pharisees in, in that sect. And he said that he was, I think in some of your translations a little bit later on, as we study next week, that it says that he was the teacher of Israel. So he is a teacher. He is the one who's bringing the, the word and the message 
to the people in the synagogues. But he's got questions that he wants to talk to Jesus about. So he goes there and he kind of wants to, sh to share some niceties with Jesus. So how does he address him? He calls him rabbi. You know, and I saw that word rabbi in John here. And that reminded me of what uh, Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 23 when he talked about warning the people about the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time. He says, don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach, remember? Then he had all those woes. He said that they love to be greeted in the, match, in, in the marketplaces and called rabbi. So he's just exchanging pleasantries and wanting to give Jesus this title of, of honor just to kind of to break the ice and, and, and find out what, what Jesus is all about. And then he says this, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he's using the net term we. But as far as I can find in scriptures, he's the only Pharisee that ever came to talk to Jesus to find out what he was really about. But we do know later on that he, he did come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a religious leader, and he was also a very fluent man. He was wealthy. As you remember, he brought about 75 pounds of spices to prepare Jesus' body for burial. I think it's in John 7, 50 or something, somewhere in chapter 2. I don't remember where it's at. But anyway, we know that he came, and he, he was the one who had, had paid for the, 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 the spices and stuff to anoint Jesus or to prepare his body for burial. He comes to Jesus as a religious leader and a wealthy man, but he dies poor. He dies poor because he's given everything to follow Jesus. This encounter that he has with him changed his life. And this encounter that we read about today, I hope and I pray that it changes yours. Because this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. You must be born again. And we see that he gives Jesus this little nicety, calls him rabbi, and says, we know that you've been sent from God because of all these signs and wonders that you're doing. And you would think that if, and if, if Jesus was just a mere mortal man, he might say, well, thank you very much. Thank you for the work that you're doing, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. But Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing why he's really there, speaks to the heart of the problem of Nicodemus and of us all. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Wasn't any niceties, no how you doing? He went straight to the problem. He went straight to the root of what Nicodemus really wanted to know. what we all need to know. And Nicodemus was taken back, wasn't he? Jesus didn't share any niceties with him. And it says here in, in my translation, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? <laughs> what do you mean? And I can see almost a little bit of defensiveness and pride building up in him in that statement. I don't know if you can see that, but, but I feel that's what's going on because later on Jesus don't says don't look surprised when I tell you right don't look surprised when I tell you 
I think a little pride was coming in. He's, he was thinking in his heart, well, well, I've been a believer all my life. I've done all your decrees. I've done all this studying. I've done all this. I'm a, I got a title. And I've went to synagogue and prayed daily. I've done all these religious things, and I look really good. Are you hearing me? Do you know Nicodemus saw the signs and wonders with his own eyes that Jesus was doing? He believed he was from God. He was doing all the right things by going to church, studying his word. But he was still lost. He's still lost. And I've, I've had it put on my heart that there's so many people that do the right things. They look good. They do the right things. But Jesus still doesn't know them, their names and it's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've even had one man tell me, well, I went and did my duty to God today because I went to church. Really? Because if that's what you think is going to get you into heaven, you have a false sense of assurance. And Jesus is addressing that in Nicodemus. Unless you've been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, not understanding what Jesus was talking about, which, but he should. He should have known. He was, a, he was a religious man. He studied the scriptures, and he would have known what it says in Ezekiel chapter 26. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, and he said this. I'm going to start at 22. It says, Therefore give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I'm bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I'm doing it to protect, you, protect my holy name, on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the, na the nations, and then I will reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the Sovereign Lord. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, for I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to, into your land. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put in a, spirit, a new spirit in you, and I'll take out your, your, stones, your stones, stony, stubborn heart, I don't have my glasses on, and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you that you will follow my doctrines and be careful to obey my regulations. Ezekiel, I mean, Nicodemus should have known that. He would have, he would have had read that and studied that. And that is what we need to be studying too. We have a stony, stubborn heart. We want to do our own will, you know. And it talks about being reborn. And he asked the question, how can we be reborn again? How can, can an old man enter his mother's womb a second time? Not understanding what Jesus was talking about. That renewal that takes place in our hearts when we 
finally come to that realization that we, we can't do anything to save ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't study hard enough. It only comes through realization that we're sinners. And our only salvation comes through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our only salvation comes through our Savior, Jesus Christ. When I think about Nicodemus, I think about David. You know, we know that David was a man after God's own heart, right? That's what it says. Let me read what David wrote in Psalm 26. Psalm 26, starting at verse 9, he says, Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with the murderers. Their hands are dirty and with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I'm not like that. I live with integrity. So redeem me and show me your mercy. Sounds to me like David's making a lot of commands on God. And he's thinking that he's not like everybody else. He's just a little bit, maybe a little bit better. Maybe a little bit more holy. But then we see what happened in the story of, of him and Bathsheba, right? He committed adultery and tried to hide his sin by, uh, when she got pregnant, by, by killing, having her husband killed and then marrying her, taking her for his own wife. But God saw everything that he had done. And he sent the prophet Nathan, and Nathan told him a little story about a little, little sheep or a little lamb, right? Remember that? And after hearing the story, David was just incensed, for Scripture's sake. And he says, where is this man? Surely as I live, he will pay four times for what he's done. Nathan looked at David and said, you're the man. You're the man. And in response, David wrote Psalm 51, didn't he? This is what David had to say once his sin had been revealed to him. Now I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read part of it. Starting at verse 4, it says, Against you and you alone I've sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say, and, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yet from the moment of my, yes, from the moment that my mother conceived me. So we see that David came to this realization that, that he was born a sinner, as we all are. The moment we come out of the womb. By the way, let me ask you a question. We must be born of water and be born of spirit. That kind of has a, sink, a, a double, to me it was kind of a double meaning there. Because when we're born of the flesh, when we get born of our mothers, the water breaks. We were born in an in embiotic, I think it's called an embiotic sac, right? And the water breaks and the baby comes out. Well, let me ask you, when you were born, what part as the fetus inside of your mother's womb did you play? What did you do to be born? Didn't do anything, did you? You were just born. And you were born... Because you didn't, you didn't do anything to be born. You were born 
because of the, I think it says in, in John chapter 1, we were reading about it, that, about the, how if we accept and, and believe in the name of Jesus that we would be born of God we'd, and, and not of a father's will or father's decision. Our mother and father came together and we were, were conceived and we were born, but we didn't have anything to do with it. We were born into a world of sin. You know, Jesus taught us to pray that, that how, can't even say it. But when he was, what I'm trying to get at, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when we're born as a little baby, whose will are we really interested in? We cry and we scream. When I was a little baby, I'm pretty sure I did. I cried and I screamed because I wanted fed. I wanted my diaper change. If I wasn't happy because something was bugging me, I cried. Right? I didn't care about anybody else's feelings. Self-centeredness was what I was born into. Self-centeredness if we're living outside of the will of God, is what we're living into and living for. We're living to please ourselves. That sinful nature that we were born into has to be put to death. We have to live for Him. That first birth, born of flesh. We have to be born again to have that new heart, as it said in Ezekiel chapter 36, that God would put us in us a new heart, that he would take out that stony, stubborn heart and put in a soft, a gentle, and a responsive heart. David, in those two contrasts in the Psalms that I just gave you, found that out but the good news is even though we're living to please ourselves and not please God maybe we look good maybe we go to church and everything but God still loves us and he wants us to be reborn to have a new life and a new heart second Corinthians chapter 5 starting about well, I think it's in verse 13. I, I, I use it all the time. Me and Rusty laughed about it one time because he'd never heard anybody share that scripture in church before. <laughs> it says, if I'm out of my mind, it's for the sake of God. But if I'm in my right mind, it's for your sake. For, for we are convinced that one died for all. Therefore, what? All must die and no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Although we once viewed everyone from a worldly point of view, we, and as we did Christ, we do so no longer. For if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Being reborn again is acknowledging that God, I surely was born a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I acknowledge, Father, that you sent your son to die for my sins. So, Lord, I pray that you will forgive my sins and come into my heart. Come into my heart with your Holy Spirit 
and empower me to do one thing, repent. Repent. Turn away from our old ways. We die to those things and we live for him. We're reborn, regeneration, rebirth into a new life that's subject to his will for us. Jesus was explaining that to Nicodemus. I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So that's when he says, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can, you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of spirit. We're born of flesh, but we need to be born of the spirit. We need to be born again. And I fear that there are so many people, even people who are going to church sitting in pews today, not only here but everywhere, that they have never surrendered their life to God. And I believe in this time that we're in right now, God's calling his own home, that people are starting, like Chrissy was prompted today to share. I had a call Thursday from a lady who is a dear friend and dear sister in the Lord. Just loves the Lord with all of her heart, been to church all of her life, but the Lord told her that she needed to be baptized again. So Friday, we, we baptized her for the second time. And here's what she said. She said, you know, he says, I followed the Lord since I was 15. I got baptized when I was 15 years old. And I followed the Lord ever since then. But a lot of stuff has crept into my life. And God has prompted me to do this today. And I, <laughs> I love this little girl. And when we put her underneath that water and she died that death to herself, and she came up out of that water alive in Christ, it just, I could, you could just see the Holy Spirit and the glory of God all over that woman. I get goosebumps now even thinking about it. that is what true repentance looks like she followed jesus faithfully all these years but she felt like that there was enough stuff in her life that that god was prompting her to to get rebaptized. i don't know why he chose me but he did and i was blessed because of it just to be able to witness that take place so i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time i think this 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 scripture speaks for itself if you fall in the same category maybe as Nicodemus did that you were already good enough that you did all the right things and you checked off all the boxes but you haven't said dear Lord here I am I acknowledge my sin before you and I know that you came and you died for my sin and I accept this gift of salvation 
accept you as my Lord. And today, Lord, with your help, I choose to live a new life. I choose to be reborn. If you've never made that decision, if you've never spoken those words to God, I pray and I plead and I beg that you do. Because there's no one. I, I can't think of anybody that I, I, I can come into immediate mindset of that I don't want to see in heaven. And this is what's required. Nothing more, nothing less. There's freedom in confessing those things to God. That bondage that you have felt your whole life and you're afraid to share to anybody because Satan keeps jumping on your shoulder and saying, I can't do this because what will people think? It doesn't matter what people think. It only matters what God thinks. And it doesn't matter if you know my name, you know your church's name, doesn't matter that you see and, and, and believe like Nicodemus did in the miracles that God did. If you haven't made that commitment and asked him to come into your heart, then you're lost. John chapter 1, verse 12, we covered it not too long ago. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what it means to be born again. To accept Jesus, to believe in him. And if we truly believe everything that we know about Jesus, that he came as a sinless man, he was born of a virgin, led a sinless life, didn't do anything to deserve to die on a cruel cross. But because of God's design and his will, and Jesus is willing to obey the Father, he, he suffered and he died on that cross for you and for me and the sins of the world. He laid in the grave three days, but on the third day he rose again. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes on our behalf, brothers and sisters. He sits there and he's interceding on your behalf right now. I don't know, I get this picture sometime in my, in my mind about Jesus interceding for me. Because I get overwhelmed and sometimes I, I don't even know how to pray. But I know that my Jesus is up there and he knows my heart. And he's up there and he's saying, Father, have you considered your servant Brad? Look at him. He's in anguish right now. His heart's broken. Would you come and restore his joy for him, please? I believe Jesus does that for us. For you. And if you're here today and you're living and you're breathing, God still has a plan for your life. He wants that relationship with you. And it doesn't matter 
how many sermons that I stand up here and preach or how many times I go to another church and, and do things. The only thing that matters is that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I have been reborn. That's how I see God. I'm going to see heaven. And I want to see you there. So let me ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you been born again? Because that's the most important question of all. I'm going to close with a verse out of 2 Corinthians right after the verses I shared with you in chapter 5, verses 6, 1 through 2. It says this, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For on the day of salvation, I heard you. And on the day of my favor, I helped you. Indeed, today is the day of salvation. And today is the day of the Lord's favor. As we prepare to take communion, before you take those elements, I would ask you again to examine your hearts. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to come into your heart? Have you been born again? And if you have not and you have felt led by this sermon today to make that commitment because you want Jesus to know your name, that you, you want that assurance that his, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I just pray that you would either come to see me or Rusty's here. Some of the, these are, are, somebody will pray with you. Just raise your hand where you're at. We'll pray with you, okay? But don't leave this place without that assurance of knowing that you're saved and you're born again. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for this message. And Lord, it's the, one of the most important, the most important message in all of Scripture that we must be born again. No one comes to the Father except through the Son who died for them. And Lord, you love us so much that you sent him to die for us. That whoever would believe and accept him would have the right to be called children of God. They would be reborn, born of the Spirit. So Lord, as we examine our hearts before we partake of these elements of your sons, as he died for us on that cross, he shed his blood and his body was broken and pierced for us. We remember that sacrifice that he made that we might know you. And Father, more than that, that you would know us. So Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on us today as we examine our hearts before we partake. And we thank you for what you're doing and going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation's open. You can be reborn again. And for those who are, you can come to the table of grace. Welcome.